What's up, guys? It's Liz Kelly. All month long, The Ringer will be breaking down 2018's highs and lows in music, pop culture, sports, TV, and film. Some of the things we've hit so far are the best TV show episodes and the best rap albums of the year. And this week, we are writing about the best performances and the 10 best action movies of 2018. Plus, we'll be reacting to both the Golden Globes and Grammy nominations on the site. You can check all of these things out on TheRinger.com. Hey, it's Shay. This is another bonus Q&A episode of Villains. This week, we're doing questions and answers about Ernesto de la Cruz from Disney's Coco. We got a ton of calls again, which is great. Also, only several of them were from people who accidentally slipped into a Mexican accent while they were talking to me. (laughs) I I honestly thought there were going to be a bunch more. It happens all the time. Let's get started. First question. Hey, Shay, this is Ernesto from Houston. Um, so when Coco first started, I was really excited that Ernesto de la Cruz looked like he was going to be a hero. Uh, but then it turned out he was one of the worst villains in film history. So when Shay is used as a character name, do you want him to be a superhero or a villain? Thanks. Ah, uh, yeah, that's a that's a tough break for you, Ernesto. That's a tough <laughs> that's a tough break. I don't think the name Shay works well enough for either one of those. It's not intimidating enough to be a good villain name like Scar or Ursula or Hannibal. Like you hear those names and you immediately go like, "Oh shit, that's that's the bad person. This is definitely a bad person." If you name a villain in a movie Shay then that's a movie probably where like a dog learns to talk or <laughs> like that's the level of villain that the name Shay is on the <laughs> on the other side of that it's also not a strong enough name to be like a good hero name like Peter or Bruce or Diana like those names have punch to them Shay is a little too like a little too limp if you're in a bad spot, like if you're hanging out of a burning building and a guy shows up, and he's like, I'm here to save you. My name is Shay. Like, you got to know right then it's a wrap. You're not getting on the ground alive. <laughs> Next question. Hey, Shay. This is Emily from Texas. So the way Miguel figures out that De La Cruz killed Hector is that the exact same murder toast he killed Hector with, appears in the De La Cruz movie poisoning scene. Presumably, that is long after Hector died and De La Cruz got successful off of Hector's song. So, like, it's a total De La Cruz move because he's a psychopath who loves to quote himself. My question is this. How do you think Ernesto De La Cruz got those exact words in the movie? What was the meeting like between, like, superstar Ernesto De La Cruz and the screenwriter of El Camino de la Casa or El Camino a Casa the movie. How did that all go down? Thanks. Love the show. Ernesto de la Cruz got those exact words in the movie because he's Ernesto de la Cruz. Like, I don't imagine there was too much fuss about it. He was already a big time star. Plus, he was already a murderer. I'm sure people maybe were picking up on this by then. He was probably in the meeting like, hey, listen, we're going to do this scene. 
We're going to do it exactly this way. And if you don't want to, then just let me know. And I'll be sure to fucking bury your body deep in the Mexican mountains. Like that's how Ernesto de la Cruz was moving around probably when he was a, when he was a star. That's just a guess though. That's my guess. Kara, before we move on, I feel like we should be listening to some music right now. Can you play some music for me here? Can you give us 20 or so seconds of Vida by La Mafia? It doesn't have anything to do with anything. It's not connected to the answer at all. I just want to hear it. Can we hear that, please? Vives dentro de mí En el alma te siento Me alimento de ti No te aparto un momento Para amarte nací Te escapaste de un cuento Que de niño aprendí Beautiful. Thank you. Next question. Hey, Shay, it's Brad. Love you. Love Coco. But I have a hot take. Is Abuelita really the villain of Coco? As the author of the rap yearbook and someone who clearly loves music, she robbed three generations of her family from the love of music. How villainous is that? Love to hear your thoughts. Bye. No. No, 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 no. No, 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 Brad. Abuelita is not the real villain of Coco. The villain of Coco is the guy who murdered his best friend, stole his songs, ruined his legacy, and then tried on multiple occasions to kill a child. That's the villain of Coco. Not the old woman who didn't want you to, like, listen to your radio. She was doing what all Abuelitas do. Which is to say she was just enforcing some old world rules that don't make any sense at all. Like when you were a kid and you got sick and rather than give you medicine, she was just moving an egg over your body. <laughs> over your body. <laughs> who, taught, who taught every Mexican grandma that, that trick? Who didn't tell them about medicine? Who was like an egg? <laughs> an egg. Hover an egg. Over his belly and his infection. <laughs> Next question. Hey, Shay. This is David from Oregon. I have a question to ask you. I need the answer to settle a family debate with my primo hermano. Uh, we are saying that Vicente Fernandez is the influence for Ernesto de la Cruz. And he is saying that it's Pedro Infante. Now, on the panel, you guys said it was Vicente. Why and when did you know that? You know what it was for me? He just looked more like Vicente. Ernesto's a stout guy. He's physically imposing. And my brain automatically just linked him to Vicente. There are like three main guys you fall back on in a situation like these. There's Vicente, there's Infante, and then there's Jorge Negrete. And I actually read that Ernesto was based more on Jorge than the other two. And there's a quick shot of Ernesto and Jorge and Infante talking at that party. They're just sort of mingling there. But Jorge and Infante are, in my memory, they're smaller guys. They're thinner guys. Vicente just had some heft to him. 
that connected those two pieces. Maybe it, it might have just been his eyebrows. He had gigantic eyebrows. I don't know. Kara, can you play some more music here, please? Can you give us maybe 20 seconds of El Rey by Vicente Fernandez? Thank you. Yo sé bien que estoy afuera, pero el día que yo me muera, sé que tendrás que llorar. Llorar, Dirás que no me quisiste, pero vas a estar muy triste. Shout out all the white people right now who are like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> and all of the Mexicans who are reflexively, as soon as they heard that song, they just got up to go grab a beer for one of their uncles out of the bottom of the ice chest. <laughs> Next question. Hey, Shay. Uh, this is Eddie from San Francisco. Um, uh, I was listening to that part of the podcast where you're talking to, uh, uh, talking about how uh, you didn't know what the word busk meant and uh, uh, also talking about how the same thing came up with the word imperialism. Um, so I was just wondering, what's a word that you've used in your writing or just in your everyday life that you later found out you had been using in the wrong way? Like you were not using it in the right context or you had uh, a completely wrong understanding of what it meant. Um, so thanks for taking my question. Love the podcast. Thanks, man. You know what happens more than that? A thing that happens more than that, and and this is because so many of my daily interactions are with people online only, which means I'm reading the words rather than seeing them. But a thing that happens more than me misusing a word is I'll read a word on the computer and I know what it means and I know how to use it, but I have no idea how to pronounce it. For example, I'm still not all the way certain how to say B-I-O-P-I-C. Like, I don't know if that's biopic, like myopic, or if it's biopic. I've no idea what to do right there. I think I talked about this once before. It happens a lot. Another one is A-R-C-H-E-T-Y-P-E. -E. I don't know if that's archetype or if it's archetype. <laughs> I feel like it's got to be archetype. But I'm not confident enough in that guess that I'm going to use it in a real life conversation because I don't want to be like at the ringer Christmas party trying to sound smart. And then I say archetype or archetype and everyone's like, hey, get a load of this idiot. <laughs> it, it reminds me of a of a joke. This is a joke one of my uncles told me when I was a kid. It's a racist joke because uncles only tell racist jokes when you're growing up. The way that it goes, though, there's this Mexican and he's walking down the street. <laughs> Every joke when you are like nine years old starts with there's like a Mexican. There's a white guy and a black guy and an Asian guy standing. <laughs> I don't know why that happens. Anyway, the, this joke here, there's a Mexican guy and he's walking down the street and he sees as he's walking that another guy has been shot and he's laying on the floor bleeding. And he needs help. So he runs over to a payphone and he calls 911. This is how you know that this joke is from years ago. There were fucking payphones. He runs over to the payphone. He calls 911. And he's like in a panic. Oh, my God. We need an ambulance immediately on Barracuda Street. This guy's been shot. And the operator's trying to keep him calm. And he says, okay, okay. I'll send one right away. How do you spell that? And the Mexican guy's like, I'm not sure. I can't see the sign from here. 
I think it's B A R R. You know what? I'm going to call you back. I'm going to move the body over to King Street. (laughs) That's so dumb. That's the dumbest thing. Next question. What's up, Shay? Tyler from New York. So let's say that hypothetically there was a rumor going around that some singer, rapper, artist of some sort had pulled in uh, Ernesto Cruz, that they had killed their songwriting partner and that their entire career was basically built off this. Who would you uh, think was the most likely to have done it? I want to say Drake, but that seems too obvious. Love the show. Love you. Bye-bye. Yeah, Drake is the first name that comes up there, mostly because he's one of the most famous people to have been associated with anything like that, and it's recent. And we're talking, of course, about the whole Quentin Miller situation. But it's happened a bunch. I want to say I remember reading about Radiohead, that they had ripped off Creep from another band. One of the guys from Hall & Oates, I remember there was this video where he said that Michael Jackson told him he stole Billie Jean from them. People steal, like, it's what they do. I steal all the time. I steal from Jason Concepcion, like, on a weekly basis. I don't even try to hide it. I'll get stuck on a thing. I'll hit him up. I'll be like, yo, Jason, I'm stuck on this thing. How do I not be stuck? And then I explain it to him, and he'll look at it, and he'll listen, and he'll go, oh, you know what would be good? You know what would work right here? What would be really, really smart? And then he'll tell me, and I'll be like, all right, thanks. I'm going to steal that. And he'll just be like, what the fuck? (laughs) I probably owe Jason like at least $10,000 in stolen material. We should probably listen to Drake or something right here, Kara, but let's stay on brand. Can you play a few seconds of Si Quieres by Lisa Lopez? Let's hear that one. Next question. Hi, Shay. My name is Kim, and my question to you is, do you think Coke will ever get Disney's live action treatment? And if it did, who would you want to see as Miguel, Ernesto de la Cruz, and Hector? Thank you so much for taking my call. I hope so. I hope we get 100 different iterations of Coco. It's one of my favorite movies that's ever been made. It's really, really good. It's just a sweet, smart well done movie. Of course, the problem is there were only like six or seven Latino or Latina actors or actresses in Hollywood. So it's going to be one of those nutty professor situations <laughs> where Eddie Murphy plays like a whole table full of people. Fucking someone call up Michael Pena and let him know he's going to need to get his fat suit ready. <laughs> Hire more Mexicans. Next question. is Matt from Austin. Uh, how do you think that Coco went her whole life not realizing that the song her dad used to sing to her before he went on tour is the exact same song that made Ernesto de la Cruz super famous? Thanks for the podcast. Bye. That's a, good, that's a good question. It's probably a combination of two things. Number one, she was a tiny kid, and tiny kids are just bad at remembering the things you want them to remember. My youngest son is six years old. 
we live in the same city now as one of my sisters. So he's seen her a bunch. He's hung out with her a bunch. He's talked with her a bunch. He has spent the night at her house several times. And even still, when we hang out now, every single time, she walks in and he's like tapping me on the shoulder in my ear like, daddy, daddy, daddy. What's her name again? I'm like, fool, that's your aunt. <laughs> that's your aunt. Why do you not know this yet? That's just how kids are. Of course, the opposite side of that is they somehow remember the things you don't want them to remember. The other day, this is a perfect example. The other day, my wife was on the couch with the boy, and they were doing a coloring book together. They were having a nice little Sunday afternoon or Saturday or whenever it was. And one of the activities in the book was a drawing thing. There's a grid with an elf in it. And it was like, okay, draw this elf in this bigger grid. So she did that. She took some time. She drew the elf as best she could. It didn't turn out as nice as he wanted it. So he looked at it. And I swear to God, this happened for real. I was sitting right behind them at the table. He looks at the picture and he goes, what the hell is that? What the hell did you just draw? And of course, she said, <laughs> like I started laughing. She's trying not to laugh, but she's like, boy, what did you say? Where did you hear that? And he's very quickly like, oh, daddy said it at the park. And I'm like, how the fuck? Like, you were three years old when that happened. I don't know how he remembered that. They remember the stuff you don't want them to. They don't remember the stuff you do. Anyway, so I'm saying the girl, Mama Coco, was a kid when the song first happened. She was a tiny little thing. So she probably just forgot. And also don't forget her mom had banished music from the house. So even if it did become a very popular song, it wasn't a popular song where she was. It wasn't that kind of situation. And also we have to remember that Ernesto changed it a bit. He sped everything up. So I'm sure it wasn't until Miguel showed up and played it for her how it was supposed to be played that it sort of activated her memory of it. Next question. Hey to you. This is Alex from California. Hey, just wondering if uh, there's a food more disrespectful slash embarrassing to die from choking slash food poisoning than chorizo. I'm a big fan. Thanks. Uh, I, 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 I guess I'll hang up now. Goodbye. First, did you just call me Theo? <laughs> I think you, I think you did. Kara, can you play the first two words of his voicemail again? Right here, I think he said, hey, Theo. Can we hear that? Hey, Theo. Yeah, that's what <laughs> that's what you said. Okay. You know what? I think choking to death in general is a tough way to die. Like, that's embarrassing regardless of what food you choke on. Like, if you're in heaven, talking about like, oh, what, how'd, I, oh how'd I die? Oh, I got a piece of chicken stuck in my windpipe. Like, that sucks. That's a sucky story to have, especially if you're there with people who died in cool or gnarly ways. Like, I died in a motorcycle police chase or you were eaten by a great white shark. Like, that sucks. You're the chicken in the throat guy. So that's one strike. And, I mean, it probably does get worse if it's a penis-shaped food that you choked to death on. Like, if you're in that same conversation and the one guy's like, oh, I died in a motorcycle police chase and then the other woman is like oh i was scuba diving with great white sharks that's how i died and then you got to be like how did i die i was <laughs> i was i was deep throating a banana at a party as a trick <laughs> it's bad that's bad choking to death on food is just bad all the way around please make sure 
to chew your food thoroughly. Next question. Hi, Shay. My name is Annalisa. I'm from East Los Angeles, California. And my question is, what do you think Ernesto de la Cruz's family life was like? Because family plays such an important role in the film about, like, how the kids and the characters grow up. So what do you think impacted Ernesto de la Cruz's, like, path toward villainhood? Thanks. Love the show. I got to assume that Ernesto was a middle child. He probably had an older sister that was smarter than him and cooler than him and better than him. She was probably his dad's favorite kid. And he probably had a younger brother who was cuter than him and a better songwriter than him. And the younger brother was his mother's favorite kid. That's the vibe I get from the kind of crimes that Ernesto is committing. This is a classic case of middle child syndrome. I honestly wouldn't be surprised to find out that many villains were, in fact, middle children. Middle children are bad. They're all bad. If you're a middle child and you're listening to this right now, I just want you to know that. Thank you. Next question. Hey, Shay. So a few days before you released the Villains podcast um, about Ernesto de la Cruz, you had talked about Coco joining the ranks of movies that every Mexican child has to see when they're born. Um, you mentioned a few movies like Blood In, Blood Out. I think American Me was on there, La Bamba, um, Selena, obviously, San Bolivar. There There's a whole lot of good ones, right? So talking about, like, in those movies, and you know, however many you want, and the villains in those, where does Ernesto de la Cruz rank in terms of evilness of Mexican movie villains? Like those movies that you said every Mexican child has to see, Where's Ernesto de la Cruz rank amongst those? Thanks so much, man. Huge fan. This is Keegan from San Antonio. Ernesto finishes ahead of every other villain in any movie with a Mexican in it, except for one. He finishes ahead of Big Al and Popeye from Blood In, Blood Out. He finishes ahead of the airplane that took down Richie in La Bamba. He finishes ahead of everyone who stabbed Montoya in American Me. He finishes ahead of Calculus. <laughs> Calculus is the villain in Stand and Deliver, by the way. He finishes ahead of the patriarchy, which was the real villain in Real Women Have Curves. He finishes ahead of Bucho from Desperado. He finishes above everybody except for one. The only person he does not finish ahead of is the awful, terrible, horrible Yolanda Saldivar from Selena. She's the one who murdered Selena. She's the Suge Knight before Suge Knight. In the Ernesto de la Cruz episode, there was a footnote that we took just so we could say, fuck Ernesto de la Cruz. I'm going to do the same thing here, except it's not going to be a footnote. I'm just going to say it right now. Fuck Yolanda Saldivar forever. Kara, I know normally we play our podcast theme music as we do the outro here. But instead of that this time, can we play Selena's Dreaming of You as we exit? Let's just start it right here. And we're going to play it softly in the background. Because I'm dreaming. Thank you for listening to this bonus Q&A episode of Villains. We have another full-length episode of Villains coming out on Thursday. We're doing the Revenge Movie Villain for that one. It's really good and really smart and really funny. Listen to Villains or go to hell. Go to hell.